when you're interviewing team members, have a process that you know works, but then ultimately go with your gut and common sense versus trying to force fit a process into something. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes the free service. Here comes the free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714. I interviewed her about her best ever advice. Talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls. They handle the rent collections. They handle late payment reminders. They handle the lease violation notices. Everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business, whether you got 500 units or even a handful of units. Go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup and the first 30 days free mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. I am with our co-host for Follow Along Fridays, Theo Hicks. Hello. How you going, Joe? It's going well. And today we've got an assortment of different things to talk about. So how should we kick it off? Well, do you want to kick it off with your story that involves turtles? A turtle, yes. The turtle story. <laughs> so... For Follow Along Friday, we talk about experiences that we've had over the previous week that are applicable to us as real estate investors and entrepreneurs. And there is a story about a turtle that is applicable that I want to quickly tell. So last Friday, I'm driving and I'm on a two-lane country road. And then all of a sudden, there's a truck that stopped ahead of me. And so I slowed down. And right before that, the truck in front of me had to swerve to miss a turtle in the middle of our lane. The truck had to swerve in front of me. Then I had to swerve, and we both missed it, thankfully. And then all of a sudden, this truck stops. I'm like, well, what are we doing? And he stops about 25, 30 yards after we swerved to miss the turtle. And it just coincidentally, he happened to stop where these people were doing road work. So I thought, this guy's being flagged by the construction workers mm-hmm. because we have to stop. And then I look behind me, and there's about six to seven cars behind me as well. So this truck in front of me stops in the middle of the road, 
and the guy gets out. He's on his phone. So I think he's with the construction crew, mm. and he walks past my car, and he walks 25, 50 yards back, and I'm like, what is he doing? I've got places to go, people to see. And then as he's walking back towards his truck, he's got the turtle in his hand. And my initial reaction was, I said this out loud in my car, are you serious? All for a effing turtle. <laughs> That's what I said. And I had a moment of realization. I was like, wait a second. Catch yourself, Joe. He just saved an animal's life. Mm-hmm. And it took maybe two minutes out of my day to do that. And by the way, I was driving to a hospice facility <laughs> to go volunteer to go hang out with a hospice patient mm-hmm. that I see every Friday. So I'm thinking that's his way of contributing in this moment. And the takeaway I got from it was, one, careful about initially judging people's actions and what they're up to. Two is... We all contribute in different ways towards society, mm-hmm. whether it's saving a turtle or whether it's doing something else. And it's important to take that into account as we go out through the day and perhaps not initially judge people for actions that they're doing that at the time I immediately think, oh man, what are you doing? You're in my way, mm-hmm. but instead having a little bit more self-reflection. So my initial reaction was, I wrote it down. I was like, oh my God, are you serious? All for an effing turtle? But then I was like, wait a second, let me take a step back. And then I appreciate what he was doing. That's a good anecdote. And it it also reminds me of a play off of something that Ben Franklin, if you look at his routine, his routine is pretty crazy, but his daily routine. But in part of his routine, in the morning and at night, he asks and answers one question. And at night he says, like, what good did I do today? And kind of a play off of that would be, you know, who did I, or how did I help or contribute today? And so for that guy, it could have been his turtle. But I kind of look at it, you do a podcast and you're always putting out all this information, but maybe not every single person who's an investor want to create a podcast. And just because you're not adding value by having a podcast or writing blogs, doesn't mean you can do nothing. Just by sharing a podcast or someone could be just as valuable to someone as actually creating it or, you know, sharing a post or writing a review on yeah. someone's book is a great way to add value as well. So that's something that I've tried to incorporate into my nightly routine, which is who or how did I contribute or help today, mm. instead of just always focusing on consuming you know, content. I think those are kind of... I like that. I like that a lot. What did I contribute today? That could be a game-changing question. It's similar to what did I learn today, but... They're cousins. They're not, they they're not directly related. They're cousins. And I think asking maybe those two questions, maybe I'll start doing this. Ask those two questions every day. How did I contribute today to others? And what did I learn today? Because when you're learning, you're contributing to yourself mm-hmm. and you're improving. So you've got both bases covered, other people and yourself. Yeah. And I think it's important, this is why you journal, just to know what you're actually doing. Because if you're not doing something, then you'll know. But if you're doing something, then you kind of like, I won't say reward yourself, but at least like pat yourself in the back. And like, all right, I actually accomplished something today. If you don't ever write anything down or don't ever ask yourself questions, then who knows what you're doing? Yeah. You mentioned the journal thing, and I've mentioned it before, but just 
as a seven second recap. I do a daily journal. It's in a Word document every single day. It's a date, bullet points, and then that's it. It's pretty cool to see what you've done over the past now. June 28, 2015 was the very first day I did it. So I've been doing it since that long. Yeah, cool. All right. So moving on, something else we want to start doing on here is talking about any mistakes we've made in the past week and what we did to fix them so that best ever listener, if they come across the same mistake, they can learn from ours. So do you want to do yours first? Yeah, and the reason why this is coming up is because I was on a call with a listener who was applying to be in my consulting multifamily program, and he said that everything I do turns to gold and that he knows that I don't make big mistakes. I'm like, where the hell did you get that from? I said, I guess I need to put more emphasis on my mistakes because, man, I'm making them every single day and I'm making big ones every week, mm-hmm. even larger ones every year. So I think it will be important to give some perspective and context for the good stuff that's going on in the business, but then also sprinkling in on a consistent basis what mistakes I'm making, and you've got mistakes mm-hmm. too that we're, we're going to come up and share. So the mistake of the week for me is the Tony Ro- Tony Robin, the to- Tony Hawk video. <laughs> Your future pacing there. Yeah, You'll be having him soon. <laughs> exactly. We are in talks with Tony Robbins, one of his publicists, to be on the show. The Tony Hawk interview. I think it went live yesterday. It went live uh, yesterday. So on, on Wednesday of this week. On Wednesday of this week, yeah. This week. It went live this week. And it basically it interviewed Emmett Smith. I thought mm-hmm. that was a, a great interview. One piece of feedback I got from that, from someone, was it was all roses and sunshine and ponies and pigtails. Perhaps ask about what's a flop that you had. And I had that in my questions. I didn't ask. I should have. So moving forward, I will make sure I ask that to these high-profile people who mm-hmm. I'm interviewing. So I thought that went well, though, overall. But Tony Hawk, I thought I was too prepared for. And I actually had too many prepared questions that I wanted to ask him. And I did too much research. And I didn't think that interview flowed well. And it was not his fault. It was my fault. I will also say that my calendar got really packed that day, as it usually does. And one of the things I did, and I never do this, is that I met with an investor at a bar right around the corner. I rode my bike to the bar, had a beer, Mm -hmm. had a Miller Lite, and then rode my bike back home to my office where I record the podcast. So I had one beer in me as well. I'm not a lightweight, right? I I can handle more (laughs) than one beer, but at the same time, I don't know if that influenced my direction at all. I just didn't feel like... I did a good job, and the reason why was I was overprepared. So the lesson is that sometimes what you've been doing and how you've been preparing for future people is the same way you should prepare for someone else. And I guess that's interview specific. Let me make it more broad. Trust your instincts. Have the baseline knowledge that you need, but then trust your instincts. I guess that's what it boils down to. And that goes with people. When you're interviewing team members, have a process that you know works, but then ultimately go with your gut and common sense versus trying to force fit a process into something because ultimately when you do that, it's a mechanical object versus a fluid, dynamic 
piece of art mm -hmm. that you're wanting to do. And so that can be applied on when you look at deals and interview team members, etc. I took that Dale Carnegie public speak. It was called Dale Carnegie course, but it was a lot about communicating. And one of the rules that they had was never script out a speech, never have exactly what you're going to say and, and memorize it because then while you're giving your speech, you're just going to be like in your mind just like thinking, okay, like what's the next word I'm going to say? And it seems kind of like what you're saying too, that you were very rehearsed and you had like all the questions prepared beforehand that you weren't able to kind of like go off script a little bit. And that was a big piece of advice that I learned from Dale Carnegie because before I always thought, oh, you just, you just script everything and very structured, you don't mess up or it doesn't go off course. But in reality, especially in an interview format, that's kind of what you want to have happen because if you ask a question here and then you jump something completely random, you might have been able to get something else out of that. But when I actually listened to your interview, I thought it was very cool that you, some of the questions you asked, how you asked him about the 900 spin, and you said also, so you knew that, but then you also knew that he talked about that and said that it was more mental than physical. And so you kind of like built off of that. So I thought that was really cool. And you looked at his face like, oh, wow, this guy was mm. prepared. So it, you overprepared this time, but I think it still has the positive showing that you came into this ready to ask a bunch of questions mm -hmm. that no one else would have asked. Yeah, I appreciate it. I think the questions that were good, but I didn't do a good job of, once I asked the question, being in tune with the conversation enough where I could then follow up and dig in a little bit. Yeah into what his responses were. It was more surface level. I had prepared questions. He answered them, and I moved on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And that's the stuff that I need to bring to the table that's better. And so yeah. there you go. So what's your mistake? Well, before the mistake, something else that you were saying about that you're talking about mistakes, now someone asked you, hey, Joe, you, know, uh, yeah. you, don't, ever, you don't ever make any mistakes. Like, it's crazy. I think it was show 991. It was about how to be a guru is what the episode was entitled. And essentially, the person was saying how anyone who has any experience as a real estate investor could be a quote-unquote guru. But the type of guru she was talking about was someone that literally uses their mistakes and like monetizes them. And so what they'll do is they'll have a consulting program or give talks or do whatever where they focus on the mistakes that they made and talk about, this is a problem, this is the issue that I ran into, you're going to run this issue too, here's how I overcame it, and that's really all you do. I thought that was interesting because she was also talking about how the gurus that people may not necessarily, I wouldn't say not like, but don't get as much value from are the ones that always talk about like the good yeah. and never talk about the bad, which is why I think it's good that we're going to talk about mistakes on Fall on Friday, but also for your podcast, you know, every single podcast you ask, mm -hmm. what's your biggest mistake? And they always go into some sort of mistake that they made so people know that everything is not going to go smoothly in, mm -hmm. in real estate. So I wanted yeah. to mention that. Henceforth, we will have yeah. a mistake that each of us has made the previous week. And it's not about mentioning this. I talked to Theo about this before the show. It's not about just mentioning mistake. It's about, as you just said, what did we learn from it and how can that be applied for every listener who could come across that similar situation. Yeah. So my mistake is very specific. It's not as broad as Joe's was, but I'm currently under contract for three, four unit properties, so 12 units total. And I was doing the inspections last week and we walked through every single unit and some of the tenants were home, some of them weren't. For the tenants that were home... You call them tenants or residents? I, I call them residents now. <laughs> um, they were home, and they asked me who I was. And I said I was the owner. I plan on buying the properties. Because it felt good at the time. You're like, yeah, yeah. I'm the one buying these properties. Yeah, exactly. You got, you got a little ego hit. Or a little ego boost, rather. Yep. yep. And I did that. And for one of the residents, instantly went into this story about their lives. <laughs> and this guy was like, you know, I live in this apartment. I've been living here for this many years. I, the reason I moved here is because my last apartment burned down. And I had all this custom German 
furniture that all was gone and now I don't need anything now I just sleep on my couch and I've got a picture of my wife up there who died 20 years ago and I can't wait to see her again I got cancer and all this stuff I was sympathized with him like a lot but I walked away and I, I remember I looked at Marcel and I was like I guess we can't kick this guy out we can't raise his rent like we can't do anything here because we're so emotionally attached to this guy now so I guess the moral what the takeaway that I got without trying to sign too cold because again at the end of the day it is an investment but I also want to take care of your residents and we're not going to raise this guy's rent but at the end of the day I realized that when I'm visiting these properties moving forward and when I meet the rest of the residents I'm not going to tell them that I'm the actual owner of the property I'm going to say I work for the management company or I'm someone else and you know I report to the owner just intuitively that makes a lot more sense because they're going to tell the sob story to the property manager because he doesn't really have any control. Or if they do, I can just say, I'm the manager. I don't have control of it. But also, I feel as if they're going to communicate with you differently if they know you own the property versus some random guy that manages it. And if you are buying it with your girlfriend's not as strong of a word as we need, but I mean, Marcel is your, yeah. you, you two are together. You are basically reporting to her. So, <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> you, you do report to the owner. <laughs> so I'm not lying. <laughs> You're not lying. <laughs> exactly. And applying this for other aspects from a negotiation standpoint, when you find yourself in a negotiation, it's always better to say, well, I don't have the authority, but I can talk to someone who does. That way... For the most part. There's exceptions, but for the most part, it's good because then you don't feel pressure to agree to whatever they're asking for at that moment, mm. and then you can go back and renegotiate. That's what I remember when I was in advertising trying to get a higher salary. I was talking to the CFO of the company, and he's like, well, I don't have the control to do it. I'm like, I'm thinking, come on, man. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you got, you're the CFO. <laughs> but that's just something that can help and. Similarly, the property manager could say the same thing. I don't control XYZ. I have to talk to the owner and you have to report into Marcella. So it kind of works out. I think as investors, you understand that, well, the property manager does kind of maybe have some control, but the residents, I think it, once they hear that, they realize you're not the owner. I think it just diffuses the situation. They're not going to ask you certain questions or demand certain things mm. based off of that. So, cool. so there's two mistakes you guys got for today cool. to learn from. Something else we want to talk about is you're reading the 8020 book, and there was an interesting survey that we want to talk about that I'm going to take this week in order to talk about the results. But do you want to talk about the survey or do you want me sure, to explain it? Sure. It is in the book, it's Perry Marshall's book called 8020 Sales and Marketing. Mm-hmm. You know the premise, right? 80% of the results come from 20% of your actions. Yep. And it's identifying what is that 20% so that you can maximize the results. It's a principle that's been tried and true for a long time, and he wrote a book on this. And I actually had already read this book. Hmm. It is on the bookshelf in my living room, and I happened to just pick it up. And I'd already outlined this part when I read it about two, three years ago, maybe longer. I just happened to open up the book to this page, and I was like, you know what? This would be a good exercise to do so Theo is doing it (laughs) and the outcome of the exercise is to identify what your superhuman strength is that's the outcome and the reason why you want to identify your superhuman strength what's the one or two things that you're especially good at is it's so obvious by doing all these interviews I've done and by experiencing things I've experienced when we focus on what we're incredibly good at that one or maybe two things and 
know how that relates in the context of our business and do that 100%, then your business will flourish. Find the people who can complement your strengths in the other areas of your business. But when you focus on your superhuman strength, then your business will flourish, assuming that you've got other people complimenting you mm-hmm. on the other aspects of the business. Therefore, the approach for how to do that is you want to explain the approach. Yeah. So basically, you want to create a list of five people that know you from different aspects of life. So that they see you at work and at home or a family. And so they, they know different parts of your personality because obviously you act differently depending on where you're at. You make a list of, of five people, and in the book it said know them for basically between one and five years. So they know you more than just a couple of months. And then you want to send them an email basically asking them what do they believe you do better than other people. And that's it. And so you ask that to five people, and then once you get those responses back, you compile them and you figure out what's the one thing that everyone said, or what did most people say, or what did at least two people say was your unique gift, your unique capability, your strength. And then you want to take that and kind of create a paragraph that basically explains what is your unique talent, what are you really good at. And once you know that and you're getting it objectively from someone else, then you can create a plan of how to cultivate that. And so, for example, if someone comes back to me and says, you're a really good public speaker, or you're really good at communicating ideas, then I'm like, all right, so I'm good at that, now how can I make that even better? So maybe I can enroll in some sort of public speaking course or start a YouTube channel or a podcast where I practice talking every single day. Or just do 50 minutes a day of just extemporaneous speaking to myself that no one even hears so I can get better at it. I think the important part after you identify it is also thinking about how can that be applied towards the business that I'm in. Yep, exactly. That's the last part I think that you want to do because you want to continue to hone it, but if you're honing it in a silo then it won't be as much help. So that would be another thing that maybe step yeah. six or whatever it is. Then think, okay, how can I continue to leverage this one skill in the business? And then maybe think through how is that monetizable is a word, but how, it is can, now. I, it is now. <laughs> how can I monetize that within the structure of the business? Yep. And so I'm going to do this exercise this week, and then I will report back next week with the results. Sweet. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is a question I found on BiggerPockets, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it would be very valuable to anyone who's trying to raise private money for deals. And the question was, what is the number one question that is holding back investors? Or what is the number one thing that's holding back investors from investing in your deals? So based off of all the deals you've done, all the money you've raised, What's the one hesitation or the one reason why investors say, eh, I'm not interested in investing in this deal or interested in investing with you or however you want to approach that question? Um, for anyone who doesn't invest, it's tough to get an answer from them mm. for why. Usually after we have a conversation, if they decide not to invest and have a deal, then they're not responsive. And this is a very small percentage of the people who I talk to, the majority of people invest who are accredited and who are looking to invest at least 50k i'd say the one thing that keeps shouting out in my mind right now is they want more active control of the deal i'd say from the people who i do have feedback from that's the main thing okay they don't want to be as passive as how syndications are set up they want 
more say in the operations, or they want more say in when we sell,、mm. or they want more voting rights for multiple things. And、okay. the reality is, as a passive investor in our deals, you're putting faith in the team, myself and Frank, to be savvy enough to handle whatever challenges come up. And to make sure the interest of everyone is taken care of, and how that's done is not just by trusting us blindly, but by structuring the deal so that there's alignment of interest within the deal. For example, having a preferred return, so limited partners get paid first. For example, having Frank and I invest alongside investors in every deal, so our money's treated just like theirs. And then, for example, on the sale, the general partnership. So myself and Frank, we will not receive a penny until the preferred return is paid back and their money is paid back.、Mm-hmm. So we have checks and balances in place that have alignment of interest, but ultimately, someone might want to be more active, and that's why on my investwithjoe.com page. I put: Are you looking to passively invest at least fifty thousand? And passively is important because if they're looking to be active, and you can make more money when you're active, because there's I'm not、yeah. involved, right? There's not a middle person involved who's handling everything. You make more money if you're active, assuming that you've got the risks mitigated. There's more risk, I suspect, if you're active though too. Uh, so that would be the main thing that jumps out.、Okay. And then a good way to address that would be to basically proactively say wherever you're trying to find your investors, let them know what your requirements are for investors. You know, accredited and passive. That's it. Yeah. yeah. The only two questions I have on investwithjoe.com, I guess technically three, are one: Are you accredited? Two: Are you looking to passively invest at least fifty thousand? And three. Tell me a little bit more about yourself、yeah. that is relevant for me to know, and then I jump on a call with them. I get to know them, build a relationship with them, and then after we have a relationship, then that might lead to some business later. Okay. All right, best ever listeners. Basketball. What was the score for the winner? It was you won. Obviously, you keep winning. I think it might have been thirteen eleven. Thirteen eleven. Okay, thirteen eleven. I got a lot closer. Thirteen eleven, and I beat him in horse, and then I lost the other game. Fourteen eleven. Oh no, the first game was fourteen eleven. Fourteen eleven was the first game. I think the second one was a little bit. It was a pretty big discrepancy. Oh, I was seeing it. <laughs> I thought it was thirteen. I thought it was thirteen. All right, we forgot. We'll go. No, that was two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. That was、okay. two weeks ago. No, both of them were really close. Okay, but one was closer. So anyway, whoever picked the closest to fourteen to eleven, fourteen eleven, Theo won fourteen eleven. But I, my secret shot is starting to get better and better. Fourteen eleven. So Samantha. Will reach out to you if you won, and you'll get the signed copy of the book, Volume One and Volume Two, from both of us. And we doing it again? We playing again? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. We're playing again. Same thing. Whoever's closest, pick total points, pick the winner. Only one entry per person. That's it. Have a wonderful weekend. Are you an investor who self manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day to day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener, and guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper, will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue, and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today 
at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com.